Hello and welcome to the Skotima Human Excellence Group Care and Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Etsko Skotima. With me today is Sarandam. Uh, Sarandam comes from uh, Denmark and we, uh, we used to work for the UN. And he's recently become associated with our business. And um, his story is a fascinating one. And so I'd like to explore um, uh, his his journey a little bit uh, in this podcast. So welcome, Soren. Welcome to the Caring Growth Podcast. Thank you very much, Esco. And thank you for inviting me and having me on the podcast. Right. So, Soren, just start off by explaining to us what you did at the UN. Yeah, I mean, I was at the UN or in, uh, working for UNICEF for almost 10 years. Um, and what I did there was to support staff and family members uh, from a psychosocial point of view. So my responsibility was uh, staff well-being. I worked in two different regions, uh, Africa and... Uh, yeah, sorry, I have to cut there, but no... Um, I worked in in, in Eastern. Um, what the hell is that called? Get now. Um, what East Africa or East Southeast Asia? Yeah, no. I, so I, I so I worked in uh, Eastern and Southern Africa uh, for about four years, and then moved on to a different region, Europe and Central Asia, and then I worked in in headquarters in supply division Copenhagen for some years as well. Uh, and and had the privilege of of, of working and supporting uh, staff in more than fifty countries and traveling to all these countries as well. Oh, wow. uh, so so you know sort of uh, mental health and, and and employee well-being is 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 what I've been occupied with for 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 a long time now and oh. and also you know of course engaging with with the skatemark group work. Yeah. Right, right. And and typically, what sort of assignment would you kind of um, be involved in with? Um, well, it, 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 it would vary a lot. You know, it it, uh, it usually it would be sort of um, individual uh, staff support. Uh, you know, it could be anything from, you know, visiting remote field stations in South Sudan, Somalia, um, uh, engaging with staff there, helping them think about, you know, well-being and, and mental health, or engaging with management in headquarters in New York or Geneva, oh. and anything in between. So, mm-hmm. so, so it's very, very diverse uh, job, which I really, really liked, um, and 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 really what it did, it sort of focused. And and because the you know the attention in the in the UN system and particularly as I think in UNICEF is is very much on on employee well being, and of course mm. we were a group of um, fifteen staff counselors um, on uh, working on, on in different parts of the world, engaging okay. with support. Yeah. Oh. And and from um, what I understand is that uh, typically you'd be involved in the. Uh... Um, in counseling people who have who are, who are, are sort of challenged either uh, trauma or post-traumatic stress or uh, based on the sorts of roles that they have as representatives of the UN. Yeah, that that uh, you know, uh, much of my work was working, you know, was field based and working in in, in emergency settings. 
and supporting colleagues uh, responding to these large-scale emergencies. And, and when you do that, when you are an emergency worker or a humanitarian worker, you will find yourself in harm's way because you operate in highly volatile, high-risk context. Mm. And regularly, unfortunately, uh, employees also you know, get exposed to potentially traumatic events. And, 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 and that's, of course, was one of my key responsibilities was to respond to critical incidents mm. and to best possible support staff members being exposed to something like this. Because mm. what really is very important to realize about particularly critical incidents or traumatic events is that they are potentially traumatizing. You know, they are not necessarily traumatizing. So okay. they are extremely upsetting and distressing to be exposed to some, like, say, a violent attack or, you know, being held up at gunpoint or something like that. Mm. That is, of course, highly distressing. And you will have a lot of sort of short term, very acute stress symptoms mm. after something. But with the right kind of sort of insight, understanding on how we react, and with the right kind of particularly social support around you in the aftermath of that, it's only a potentially traumatic event. It does okay. not have to traumatize you long term. On okay. the other hand, if you are exposed to something that is potentially life-threatening, and you don't have any support, you don't understand what's going on with you, you feel like you're falling apart, you may start uh, having these very distressing symptoms, you know, acute stress symptoms. Uh, you start self-medicating. Alcohol is a very sort of popular way of dealing with that. And you isolate yourself. You never deal with it. You never talk to anyone about what happened afterwards. Then you put yourself in a high-risk you know, situation in terms of actually developing sort of a post-traumatic stress disorder afterwards or, or longer-term traumatic uh, traumatic sort of effects of, of this. But it doesn't have to be like that, you know. Okay. With the right help and support, most of us will actually regain our balance and able to, be able to go back to a normal life after some weeks of recovery of course, the traumatic incident or the situation that I was exposed to will always be part of my life, but it does not have to disable my life, right? Mm. So that's very important. There's, there's not necessarily an automatic sort of connection between being exposed to something very traumatic and then being traumatized long term. Mm. Not the right help and intervention right after something like this happened. So that's that was part of what I was. And, and me and my colleagues were doing a lot, you know, uh, helping, you know, exposed staff members regain their balance again after something highly distressing and highly upsetting had happened to them. Yeah. Well, I mean, that um, uh, it occurs to me that it's also, th th there has to be some, uh, I mean, there's got to be some flexibility as to, the kind of experience one one then designates to oneself as distressing or traumatizing. Yeah. 
No, but I mean, I'm, so so what I'm thinking of is, a, is, is in a corporate context, for instance, I mean, um, uh, you know, seeing your sales figures crash through the floor, if you're a sales manager, can be anything as, as, as horrifying as somebody putting a gun to your head in the street. Yes. You know, I mean, it's, um, and so uh, it occurs to me as you were talking that, you know, this, this, uh, this help to sort of translate something from being upsetting uh, or from being traumatizing to being upsetting that must be that must be true in many more contexts than just you know life threatening situations yeah no for sure and 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 that's what you know what what we also see now and you are exactly right you know it it it, it does not have to be like a classical sort of traumatizing event as a, you know, violence or gunpoint or something like that. Mm. You know, as you say, you know, the, because the, what happens is it is the same mechanism in your brain that gets activated when you're under threat. So the, the, the part of our brain that is at the alarm center, the amygdala part, right? Mm. That's the same center that gets highly activated when some points are gone in my head. And if I, you know, feel under extreme pressure and threat in my corporate life, because my mm. sales figures are not as they should be, because mm -hmm. I can't really tell the difference, you know. Mm. The it's just, yeah, yeah, it's a threat, it's a threat to my existence, yeah. you know. Oh my god, you know, the boss gonna say, What what the hell is this? No, you you are up here. That is a threat to my existence, and the amygdala will have the same kind of reaction. It will it will treat this situation as if my life was in danger. And that is why, you know, we have this sort of you know, pandemic of, uh, of, of stress-related disorders, you know, burnout. You know, because, you know, when I have 250 emails in my intray and everybody is screaming and shouting at me, my amygdala is treating that situation as if my life was in danger and it will react to it as if and it would have all these physical reactions as if my life was in danger and of course i'm going to burn out then of course mm. i'm going to be totally overwhelmed because it feels as if i'm my life threatened you know no, no, eventually you, you're like a like a, a deer in the headlights of a car I mean, you can no longer respond anymore you're just overwhelmed and mm. and you develop these um these, these sort of these symptoms of life-threatening situation like a tunnel vision you know like it's impossible to um, to uh, to uh, to prioritize you know you have yeah. five things in front of you and they all seem desperately important but they're not of course but it's because you have developed this tunnel vision because your amygdala is putting your brain into a situation or a condition where your life is in, in, in danger so you have to focus on one thing usually you know escaping or fighting or freezing or you know sort of like just sort of, sort of withdrawing just to sort of protect your own life. and of course in that condition I mean who can do any kind of work in that condition mm. and so much of my work is always to think together with let's say uh, a leader who feels completely overwhelmed and is in this state of panic I would say because mm -hmm. the amygdala Think about, first of all, of course, very specific techniques you can mm. use, like tools you use. You know, you use your breathing, you use your physicality. Mm. 
calm down the brain because we need physically to be able to be in our body to think. And then afterward, think about, so, okay, so how can we, how can we organize this? How can we think about how to be in this situation? How can I, as you say, you know, how can I be in my own mm. skin here? Mm. How can I get some distance to this? How distance. can I step yeah. Yeah, okay. back from this so that I can actually operate? Uh, and and, and there, there, of course, you know, in in situation, there are some very specific tools that, that, that are very useful in terms of managing that. And, and, and then, of course, a bit longer term, I find personally, it has a lot to do with, with you know, working with leaders, also helping them do the inner work. And, you know, mm. from mm. psychology, I'm, you know, naturally <laughs> occupied with the inner work. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I know it's what you call like sort of the inward gathered leader, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it has been sort of neglected over, over, mm. over the years. Yeah? Mm. The idea of actually knowing myself and knowing my weaknesses, my shadow sides, you know, mm. the part of me that I'm not proud of, my mm. part of me that I would rather not think about. And somehow bring that up to the conscious level where I can mm. actually recognize it, you know? So I can actually recognize what happens to me under pressure. Mm. So I actually recognize when is this sort of getting a little bit too much? When am I getting mm. close to this sort of amygdala takeover, as I call right, it? Right, right, right. Step back. Do some breathing, you know, get some distance, regain my ability to think, because that's what happens. We can't think when the amygdala is running wild, right? Mm. And, and that has a lot to do with inner work, you know? Mm. Uh, how conscious am I of my, mm. my setup, you know, mm. me as a person? What, do, what triggers me? What, mm. uh, what kind of personalities? triggers me and how do they trigger me how can i navigate that and that i think can be really effective so uh, sir and i'm really curious about your response to this i mean, i've uh, i've got a client who i have a very high regard for and i've been a couple of times i've spoken to him about this issue of you know um, sort of stress counseling helping his leaders deal with stress and uh and his response to me is always the same. He says, shut up. I don't like any of this pink nonsense that you bring into my office here. He said, my job is to stress them. I'm going to make them so stressed they'll know how to deal with stress once I'm finished with them. So he makes, a, he makes it a fine art of knowing how to roll grenades through people's doors. Um, I'm not convinced... I mean, what would you say to somebody like that? Because um, so far, I failed. Yeah. Well, I well, I think I would be quite cheekier because he seems like a very mm -hmm. straightforward guy. So I would say, I mean, you haven't seen half of the potential of your people yet. You're just scaring. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just like amygdala is running around, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. to survive her. And, uh, you know, when, when your amygdala is driving you, you can only think very limited. So I would mm. say to him, you know, yeah, okay, good luck, man, uh, mm. because you you are getting half, if not uh, one third of the capacity of your people, because mm. they're too to do anything else. Mm. So if 
works for you. And if you can keep your people there, I doubt it. But then, so I wouldn't try to convince him because that right. never works. But but I would just say to him, yeah, if you were ever interested, should yeah. you an alternative to this? Huh? Because yeah. Yeah. have this sort of amygdala-driven teams fearful for their existence, basically. Mm. Yeah, do what you tell you, but they won't do anything else. And and mm. and you know, and and if we put it into like the care and growth, uh, you know, mm. thinking, then mm. you have have takers. You know, they are there, they survive, they get the paycheck, and then they probably would rather be somewhere else. But if mm. you want to have gifts, you want to you want to make them want to be there, want mm. to work, then you can't you can't you know drive this by fear. And you'll mm. get, I mean, the potentials are so enormous. So mm. I, I think I'll say something like that, you know. And, and yeah, sometimes yeah. people outside pedagogical reach, that, that's mm. fine as well. No, it seems as if you're actually engaging with him. So he does have some. Yes, interest. yes, yes, yes. I mean, no, absolutely. I mean, as I say, I've got a very high regard for the, for the man. I just, I found he's, he's taken this particular regard, you know, actually quite confusing. I mean, it, um, I just mm. find, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. also, it, I, I, I find that what, and particularly in sort of, uh, you know, uh, more sort of conservative, uh, yeah, more mm. conservative text, more sort of, you know, what we could possibly call like old fashioned sort of managerial style context. Uh, the idea of, of being vulnerable is a yeah. highly anxiety provoking idea. You know, yeah, yeah. because what you're asking him to do is to actually engage with his mm. his ordinance in a different way, right? Mm. That is fear, and 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 sometimes you know, leaders can think that they would be, they would look vulnerable or weak, and that's a mm. very anxiety provoking thought for them. Something that right, they don't. Right. Think. Yeah, and that that no, that's all no, that's part true. of. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and, so, and, and, and hmm? sorry. Carry on, sir. Yeah. No, no. I'm just saying, you know, and, and and what really is important is that we're not gonna, you know, a, a guy like him. We're not offering psychotherapy to him. They're not gonna mm -hmm. be in deep psychoanalysis. Yeah. Talk about their mother. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Idea of getting away from an amygdala-driven kind of managerial style to something that could really make things blossom i mean that's mm. Mm. That, that that must resonate somehow mm. yeah yeah um the um so so you did mention this issue of care and growth uh, uh Saren, and um um and you've now decided to kind of hook your fortunes onto this wagon which, uh, uh, yeah, dare I say, flatters me no end. But uh, <laughs> how did how did this journey start for you? I mean, how how come you were, you got interested in working with this content? Well, I mean, so yeah, I was just thinking back. So eight nine years ago, uh, I was with the regional management team in Nairobi for UNICEF, and uh, David April, you know, our colleague hmm. from Skate. He came up to do an introduction to care and growth. Right. And that was the first time, I, and of course it was brilliant, because he's a brilliant guy, right? And he talked about it, and, and it was a very good retreat. 
uh, and that was the first time I was sort of introduced to it. And 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 it's sort of something stuck with me there, mm. and and it felt different. Mm. It, it felt fundamentally different from from many of the other sort of offerings, you know, from mm. from external consultancy companies that I've sort of witnessed and 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 noticed over the years. And um, and and I think it was this sort of this when he talked about intent. And and mm. the, the the leaders intend to give and to serve, mm. Mm. and to how how that I you know and, and that whole idea of you know so you achieve people through results mm. and and mm. and, it, it, and 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 the and the leaders you know role is not to mm. produce results but to produce people and that those things they just sort of they stuck to me in a way you know that mm. kind of like. And, and then, you know, the years passed and, and I was working away. And then at one point, uh, recently, I, I needed to do something else. I needed some, some professional independence. And then, then I, I remember I wrote to you really very, mm. inf- I think it was LinkedIn. Mm. And I, I mean, what the hell, let, let's try. So, so I, I, let, let, me, let me write to the boss. Eh? And, mm. and I remember. I, you know, I had a, a whole spiel about, you know, what are you doing about well-being and why skate, uh, I don't skate uh, my mental health excellence in it, which I, I really, you know, that's what I'm bringing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, I, I probably, I'll probably get uh, either no reply or a reply like, you know, yeah, please send your CV to HR and they'll look at it. Right, right. And, 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 but what I got was that you wrote back saying, and I remember it specifically, you said, mm-hmm. That would be a wonderful contribution to our company, and I was completely taken back mm-hmm. by that. You know, and I thought, how nice, you know, that's that's a company I want to work for. That's a guy I want to work. Oh, really? for. <laughs> yeah, because it just, you know that uh, was not not right, right. appropriate. Right. No, an international consultancy company, mm-hmm. and that kind of response and I, I thought that's and, and 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 then of course i got reminded of the care and growth again that that's what this is about you know it it is mm-hmm. it is a sort of mm-hmm. that kindness but also that willingness to give to give an mm-hmm. outsider access mm-hmm. to an organization like that mm-hmm. uh, so so that's and 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 then you know no, thank you so so I mean, since um, since you've now been working with us, you have been exposed to the caring growth content more deeply. Um, like, for instance, you have been exposed to the whole personal excellence side of the the issue. You know, the the tool of of transactional correctness and so on. So, do you think that some of the content that we're working with can make a contribution to the whole? sort of uh, mental uh, wellness kind of discipline because you know that what we of course you know it is it is it, it fits very well into the idea of care the, the mm. care part of care growth and of course it fits it just it it, it is it, it seems as if it's like sort of it, it is in the dna of the care growth anyway you know this is what we're doing now is we're sort of just we are focusing a little bit we're putting a little we're putting a little more content into mm. the idea of well-being excellence or mental mm. health excellence leaders mm. right um we are sort of expanding the toolbox because there are very mm. practical 
that that mm. that that weren't really on your radar before. That that could actually be mm. really helpful for managers and leaders to think about when we think about right. you know mental health. Right. Fits mm. very well into, and 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 okay. what I particularly like about it is. You know, I was talking about, you know, when, when David came and uh, years ago and, and this idea of this, this is fundamentally different because it's not, it doesn't feel as an add-on, the care group. Mm. You, you know, it's, it's it, you, you, you can look at what's going on now, sort of, sort of side guys wise in, 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 mm. in, in the business world and organizational development, mm. particularly around soft skills. Mm. You no, know, I choir right now. Now we have to do that, or you know, emotional intelligence, or vulnerability, mm-hmm. diversity, inclusion—all mm-hmm. very and important things. But they are all, I would argue, add-ons. So they are mm. being added onto possibly a quite dysfunctional enterprise. You know, right. Right. in terms of how you how how you how you do personnel management. And, or how you do soft skills. And that's the difference here because care and growth is not an add-on. It is a mm. fundamental different way of thinking about leadership. Okay. Oh. And really like that, 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 I think that is, the, because you know, you, you get these sort of chameleon leaders, you know, oh, so now we're doing yeah. vulnerability. So now I have to share my, all my doubts or whatever. And it's, it's not that it's bad, but it, mm. it's half feeling of, of of leaders running after the latest trend that is mm. now soft skills. And what happens in my experience is that it can become quite unauthentic. You know, mm. you know, you know, you so 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 you 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 go to a course and you're told you have to you have now we're working with vulnerability. A good leader mm. is someone who's who shows down and yeah. Yeah. not a bad but 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 then you but how how do I do that if I walk around in a system where weakness is punished? You know, mm. so just an mm. example. So Mm-mm-mm. it's the idea of the care and growth not being an add-on, but a fundamental different way of looking at it. And I think that mm. really is a tactic. It's not easy, and it's mm. not like in course. You know, it, mm. it's not as um, it's not as, how can I put it, as sexy as some of the other sort of management developing offerings, you know, mm. you know, because it is a fundamental change. It's not, mm. and, and, and that I find, or I, I find myself really attracted to. And, and I think that's what happens, you know, when the transformation starts with the clients, they feel that this is something else. Hmm. Hmm. Soren, that was fantastic. Thank you very much. Thanks for, for your time. And um, um, I look forward to us working together much more in the future and Me developing too. lots of content together. Yes. Me too. And, and thank you for inviting me. Not at all. Thank you very much. Great pleasure. All the best. Take care. Cheerio, Soren. Mm-hmm.